Welcome to today's Advent Cast. This is Father John Zilsdorf. It's Ember Wednesday during Advent. Let's hear what Pius Parsh has to say in the Church's Year of Grace. The observance of the Ember Days, a most venerable feature of the liturgical calendar, dates back to early Roman antiquity. They are older than Advent. Pope Leo I has left us a series of beautiful sermons for these days. Originally, the Ember Days were an occasion of thanksgiving for the three great harvests of wheat, grapes, and olives, all very meaningful nature symbols employed by the liturgy. In the offertory procession, the faithful brought tithes of the harvest to be used for the offering then and there, for the support of the church, and for the poor. These days also stress spiritual renewal. In the bustle of business and work, we too easily forget our future status. Therefore, during these four times of the year, we should concentrate on God and scrutinize our spiritual condition. Lent is our annual retreat, while the Ember Days serve as quarterly checkups. A grave and earnest mood comes over Mother Church, but there are no tears or mourning. Fasting is not so much an expression of penitence and sorrow as a joyous tithe to God and an incentive to almsgiving. The Ember Days have the special honor of being Ordination Days, Saturday. In Rome, Ember Saturday in December was the principal occasion for conferring holy orders. Pray for good priests this week. As time passed, the Ember Days were assigned specific dates four times in the Church's calendar, giving each of the Ember Weeks a distinctive seasonal color. The December Ember Days, highly oriented toward Christmas, manifest a pronounced Advent character, more so than the ordinary weekdays. These Ember Days and the O Antiphons constitute our last major efforts in the work of preparing for the Savior's coming. Sunlight is all about the house, but for sunlight to get in, we must open the blinds. The physician of souls can cure, but we must know that we are sick and must want to be cured. God calls. We can pretend we do not hear, we can accept him, or we can reject his voice. It is each person's inalienable right to decide. Fulton Sheen About Spiritual Communion, from From Advent to Epiphany, by Father Patrick Troedek. As St. Thomas Aquinas explains so well, spiritual communion consists in an ardent desire to receive Jesus, the host, and in an act of love such as one would make if one had received him sacramentally. The Council of Trent strongly praises spiritual communion and encourages the faithful to practice it. 
To make a good spiritual communion, St. Alphonsus Liguori recommended the following act. O Jesus, I believe that Thou art present in the blessed sacrament. I love Thee above all things, and I desire to receive Thee. Since I cannot at this time receive Thee sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my soul. By all the affections of my heart, I welcome Thee and I unite myself to Thee. Preserve me from the misfortune of ever losing Thy divine friendship. Depending on the circumstances, if one needs a shorter prayer, or if one simply prefers a more rapid form, the same saint proposes that we very simply say, O Jesus, I believe that Thou art present in the blessed sacrament. I love Thee and desire Thee. Come into my heart. I welcome Thee. Please, never leave me.